good morning. Please be seated. It's my privilege and joy to welcome and introduce Matt Riley, Reverend Matt Riley, and Katie, his wife, and their five kids who are running around uh, somewhere. Um, we met Matt and Katie when we ministered for three years in Brittany, the northwest corner of France. They're from Iowa originally, and uh, they had planted an Anglican church in the panhandle of Florida many years ago. But for the last 10 years, they've been ministering in France among the French, uh, working to try to establish uh, Christian congregations and work with Christian church planters uh, in around Brittany and further afield. So he's going to share uh, some of that with us later. And there's a little table out in the narthex there that uh, we'd love you to visit. It has um, a slideshow going on about their work in France. It has a little leaflet explaining more about uh, the state of the gospel and of the, the church in France, and a cute little card of the whole family there, uh, introducing them that you can use perhaps as a reminder to keep praying for them. So, uh, turn it over to you, brother. Thank you, Robin. Um, so, yeah, I think the second sermon has always got to be the most difficult because, like, who, did, who was here last time? You know, you feel kind of obligated to add new stuff. And so, the material will remain the same. The jokes will be different. So, if you were here, um, or if you wanted the second dose of this, um, then I was sure there's a few different jokes, um, but the content will stay the same for the most part. Um, I guess I have to explain... I, to be honest, like I did in the first service, I, this, is, I, this is the only sermon I've been preaching for like the last six weeks. I don't know if it makes it good or not. Um, it just, you know, but it doesn't correspond with the gospel reading that we read. So I'm going to read to you um, just two verses out of uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And um, just, yeah, I want to deal with an issue that's really been on my heart. Um, it's a really simple question. You know, they said there are no stupid questions, just stupid people who ask, them, who ask questions. And so I feel like I'm kind of a stupid person asking God a really basic question, and that is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Um, I live in a country where uh, if you do, I'm not French, obviously. I mean, my accent, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Iowa. Um, I do speak French, but French people understand that I'm not French. And when it comes down to it, when you have everything taken away, I was an Anglican priest, I'm ordained, I did seminary, trained, uh, I'm a seminary trained pastor, um, blah, 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 blah. But when, you, when the rubber meets the road, none of that really matters because I have an accent. I, I'm, you know, I don't speak like they do. I don't have the same culture. And so when you're trying to minister to people um, and God has asked you to, to share the essentials with them and all your culture and your church history and all that stuff is stripped away, what's left? It's Jesus, right? It's, and what does it mean to tell someone to follow, to follow him? How do you say to someone, Jesus is worth it, you should follow him, and this is what it looks like? And so this question's been rolling around in my head, and I think even maybe um, more pertinent for us today in our society and our culture, because we have so many misunderstandings about religion, about, I mean, I mean, I get like all kinds, oh, you're a pastor, you work with sheep, literally, that's what somebody asked me one time, I'm like, why would I work with sheep? They're like, oh, you're, because the word in French, pastor, and Pastor, it's kind of, it's like a, it could be confused. If my accent, it probably makes it worse. Um, and I'm not going to work. Why would I work with sheep? You know, I mean, that just makes no sense. But they honestly had no, no idea. So what do you do? Like, oh, you're, is that like a priest? Oh, yeah, but we have like a wife and five kids. Like, that's kind of weird because Catholic priests don't, you know. So there's all kinds of confusion. And I'm going to tell you a little joke um, that kind of sums up, I think, our confusion. So there's a little boy. And he's, he wants a bicycle. If you've heard this one, don't say anything. Laugh along like everybody else will. Um, there's a little boy who wants a bicycle. And he asks his mom, Mom, can I have a bike? And the mom says, no, we don't have money for a bike. But if you maybe, you know, 
maybe pray about it and see what happens. So little boy's flipping through, I think it's like TBN or whatever, the, and he comes across this um, charismatic uh, preacher and he's preaching away. So that night as a mom's passing by his bedroom, he's saying a little prayer and he's like, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I declare my need for that bicycle. The next morning he wakes up, no bicycle. He's kind of disappointed. So he's, again, he's looking through the TV, watching TV, and he comes across a very, a very solid biblical Anglican preacher in Athens, Georgia. And um, <laughs> so I don't know how he got televised. He's watching the, 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 live, the live streaming. And so that night, his mom is kind of walking by his room again. He sees him kneeling at his bed and praying. He's like, Sovereign Father, if it is thy will, and thou seest fit to give me a bicycle, it would be great. So next morning, no bicycle. So now he slips over to the Catholic channel and he's watching the priest kind of go through his thing and his mom, um, it's around Christmas time and he walks by and he realizes like the, the nativity scene in the home, like the mother, the Virgin Mary's missing. So that's kind of weird. She's looking all over for it, can't find it. She's like, well, I'll go talk to him about it. Maybe, maybe something happened to it. So he, she walks into his room and hears him praying. He says, dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> so it's a funny joke, right? But it's actually not that funny because it's kind of true. Like, we, we treat God as a commodity. We treat, it's, we're really in our society, in our culture today, um, the secular world, outside of these church walls, religion, Jesus, it's all treated as just kind of one big cosmic vending machine, right? I mean, I've never met any more religious people than people who are in trouble. And even in France, people are like, you know, they come to us, they got all kinds of problems, they want to, you know, they want, they want God to answer all these problems. And I'm like, I didn't even know you believed in God. You know, like, how could that be God's fault? And, you know, and they, so it's just, it's really interesting how God is treated. And so this question as, a, as Christians really remains, what does it mean to follow Jesus? In a world that is so confused, um, who likes to hold God hostage, likes to hold his mother hostage, to get the things they want, um, to make their life better, what does it mean to follow Jesus. So today I want to read to you Matthew chapter 11, uh, an excerpt of Matthew chapter 11, but verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think why this verse is important, jokes aside, why this is important is, yes, there's a lot of confusion about God. There's a lot of confusion about all kinds of things. But the one thing that we're not confused about is the fact that we are a society, we are a culture in the West that is overwhelmed, tired, kind of crabby, and going, literally, it seems like we're going off the rails. We've lost our way. But people, we've, we've, got people, we've, got, we've got shootings, we've got traumas and dramas, just left and right. And the one thing that we hear constantly from our friends is, I'm so tired. One of my French, uh, one, a lady who actually comes to a Bible study um, posted a, Katie knows, she posted a, a picture of her on the beach. Because um, Brittany, if you don't know geography, we have water everywhere. Um, and so, and she's like, oh, I, a much needed vacation. And people talk to how they're so tired. And French people get six, seven, eight weeks of vacation a year. I get nine weeks of vacation. You think after nine weeks of vacation, I, I don't take nine weeks of vacation. I'm too American, too Anglo-Saxon to take nine weeks of vacation, it makes me seem kind of lazy. But French people are like, hey man, I'm gonna take it. Six weeks of vacation, they come back and they're still crabby, they're still grumpy, they're still burned out, stressed out. And so maybe like our, our idea of rest, our idea of relaxation, maybe it's not life-giving. And yet in this passage, Jesus says, come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
And I think in this idea, this invitation of Jesus to come, and that's in Matthew, when Jesus is invited, it's a gospel invitation, right? When Jesus says, come to me, that's basically saying like, we need, you know, that's, that's evangelism. You need to sign on the dotted line. You need to, to attach yourself to me. But it's interesting. He says, basically, rest, true rest can only be found in taking on my yoke. And so what I want to do today is I want to really look at what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to take on the yoke of Jesus? And I think there's four basic truths that we can learn about following Christ through, this, through exploring together this image of a yoke. Does anybody here know what a yoke is? I asked at the last service. There were a lot more people last service. All right, we got a few. Okay, so a yoke. First, we need to explain this. A yoke is not what comes out of an egg, although it is, but a yoke is literally a large piece of wood about this big, or however big the animals are, and it's curved like this. It looks like that. And it's attached to a wagon or a plow or something like that. And you put animals in there, right? And so what it does is you have all the weight of the wagon or whatever instrument they're trying to pull. And all that weight then gets equally distributed through this apparatus called a yoke and allows the animals to, it sits on their shoulders and then they're hooked into it with either a piece of metal or a, a long like wooden bowed piece of wood or a strap. But literally it sits on their back, distributes the weight and allows them to work. And in a lot of cases, if animals aren't yoked to a wagon or if they're yoked, not yoked properly to a heavy load, you can injure the animal and they, you can basically wear them out and, and destroy them because they, they're not physically, they would not physically be able to do the work that they're doing. So that's what a yoke is. It's a work tool. And Jesus uses this image for discipleship, right? He says, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're beat down by life, go to the beach have that, have that margarita, get that second or third, you know, car, that second. That's not what he says, is it? He literally says, no, why don't you just like be like cattle? Why don't you yoke yourself to me? And I think it's interesting because the first thing when you learn about discipleship is that we literally all are yoked to something. And you think, what does that mean? You're all yoked to something. We all serve somebody. Because in our culture, we live under this myth of like neutrality, right? The, neutral, the lie is, I'm my own person, I don't serve anybody. And now you're talking to me about Jesus or you want me to, you know, this Christianity thing. I don't know. It seems like I would be like having to give up a part of myself and submit to someone, to submit to this guy named Jesus. I want to remain free, but that's a lie, right? And that Jesus is in, own, Jesus in his own words says we serve somebody. We all serve somebody. We can't serve man and money. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. And as human beings, we are literally yoked to something. It could be our jobs, it could be our money, it could be our family, it could be the church, it could be our kids, it could be our search for meaning, it could be our own, our bodies. I don't know, what is, what is it that drives you that you get up in the morning and that gets you going, that you, wanna, that you want so bad to, that just, it defines you and you are, you're willing and ready to sacrifice and pull under that load to make it happen. It could be pleasure, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, who knows, I don't know. But we have to understand that we all are yoked to something. That we live under this myth of human, of that we're free, that, taking, that following Jesus or taking on, that's just a bunch of rules and regulations that would somehow stop me from having the freedom that I want. Jesus says, no, take, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to find rest, if you want to follow me, first of all, you need to take my yoke on you because you're yoked to something already. I, know, I don't know if there's in the other age group, there's not a lot of small kids in here, but I'm gonna use that illustration. Um, Pinocchio, right? The story of Pinocchio, anybody familiar with this? Okay, 
So Pinocchio, it's a long time since I've seen the movie, gotta be honest. Um, but I have five kids, and so, yeah, we, I do see a lot of Disney stuff, and it just goes with the territory of being a dad of five kids. Um, so, right, Pinocchio is a little guy made out of wood. He wants to be a real boy. We get that, right? His dad says, do, hey, Pinocchio, here's some money. Go down and wait for me here, blah, blah, blah. Pinocchio says, okay, dad, I'll do it. So he goes down, he's sitting there waiting, and he meets another little boy comes along. And the other little boy is like, hey, I go into this great place where there's fun and games, and what your dad wants you to do is just a bunch of nonsense, and he probably just wants you to keep you from having fun. You should come with me. And Pinocchio's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, my dad said, and he's like, no, no, you should go down and do this. And he's like, okay, I'll go with you, right? So they show up to this like place. There's all kinds of fun games, and they're doing all kinds of fun things. And then what happens to Pinocchio and all the other little boys that are at this fair? What happens to them? They turn into donkeys. And after they start, and Pinocchio, they all, he starts to talk like a donkey, and he brays, starts to bray like a donkey, and the other little boys are slowly changing into a donkey. And then what happens after that? There's this guy that shows up with a big wagon, right? It's an incredible image. And so what does he do with the donkeys? He kidnaps them, but he does what? He doesn't put them in the wagon. He yokes them to the wagon. He attaches them to the wagon. So they all now are pulling this wagon. It's an incredible, actually, image out of Pinocchio. It's a great, there's actually a really interesting redemptive story in Pinocchio. Um, but it's a really pertinent image for us today. We all are yoked to something. That's the reality of human life. And the other thing is that the yoke is about submission. And this is the second point that I want to talk to you guys about. Jesus invites us to yoke ourselves to him, to find true rest in him by number one, understanding that we all are yoked to something. But then number two, that we need to have a, a correct understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be yoked to Jesus. And being yoked to Jesus is about submission. And so really, we're, I know no one likes that word, right? I mean, I can do like the test runs on it and people are like, oh, submission, that's like a horrible word. Because it's always been misused and abused, right? In a negative way. But a yoke is literally essentially about submission. An animal puts his head, his head is put in this yoke and he's always yoked to an older animal. The young animal is yoked to an older animal because the older animal will help the younger animal pull along and he teaches the younger animal, but it's about being, it's about submitting. It's about going along with the, pro, the program of the yoke, right? Discipleship is about getting on board with Jesus' plan, i.e. submission, i.e. our life is not our own. You don't get to, you don't get to do Jesus on Sundays, right? We like to do that. I'm not from the South, but in the Midwest, we have our own little culture, our own little church culture. Um, it's a little more, it's probably, it's Lutheran, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's there, potlucks, we, you, know, I guess, no, you guys know how that is, but you don't get to play Jesus, play Jesus' disciple on Sunday, and then do what you want to the rest of the week, and then come back and be like, wow, it's so great to be a disciple of Jesus, because that's not the picture of discipleship that Jesus is laying out for us, is it? Jesus is laying out this very uncomfortable and radical picture of being yoked being, to him, which means being submitted to his plan, to his program. The Bible over and over again tells us our life is not our own. When we're bought by Christ, right? We don't live for ourselves anymore, but we live for Christ. It's interesting, Jesus, you know, I imagine if he was, to, he lived, was around in, in um, he was preaching here today, you know, the temptation I'm, I'm sure would be to like, you know, you're, I, I kind of pick on the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel because it's not really the gospel, but um, you know, it's your best life now. 
come, you know, I wanna, we wanna help you. We wanna, we wanna get self-actualization. I want you to be your best self. And that's not what Jesus says, is it? He says, actually, I don't want you to be your best self because your best self is much crap. I want you to be yoked up to me. I want you to find meaning and value in me. I want you to submit to me because I can give you your best life. I can give you what you were really meant to be. The yoke is about, we're all yoked to something. The yoke teaches us that discipleship is about submission and learning from Jesus. The third thing, if the yoke is about grace. Because up to just now, it's been a pretty negative thing. Like, oh, we're bad people and I don't do things right. But that's, that Jesus is what he's saying. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus offers us rest. So in a world where we're beat up, we're run down, we're tired. I have five kids. I, I was up at like 5.30 this morning. My son literally burnt a hole in the carpet of the place we're staying at. Because he drugged the iron. My two-year-old climbed on the table, drugged the iron down, plugged it in, and burnt two holes in the carpet. And he came out to me, he's like, Dad, hot, hot. I'm like, yeah, I almost burnt the house down. I mean, that's the life, that's the, that's the life, we, that's, that's the day-to-day life with people. It's not easy, it's tough, it's difficult. And the yoke that we're pulling, if we're pulling under our own strength, if we're trying to go in our own direction, if we're not submitted to Jesus, it's tiring and it's fatiguing. Because we don't find rest, do we? Just, it seems to be just a, an endless rat race of, of of searching for meaning. And yet Jesus says, my yoke is also, it's about grace. Because he, did, he, he has done everything for us. He invites us to, to submit ourselves to him so that we can pull along for something valuable and meaningful. And he gives us every tool that we need to succeed. The cross, right? He, he's, he cleanses us from our sins. He puts us back in right relationship with God. He fills us with the, his Holy Spirit so that we can have all that we need to do the work that he's called us to do. That's an incredible contrast to trying to do life on your own, yoked to something else. The last thing um, we've talked about, that the, reality, the, the, the four truths about this yoke is one, that we're all yoked to something. Two, right, that yoke is about submission. It's not part-time, it's full-time. Number three, the yoke is about grace. Christ has done this for us. He gives us everything that we need, and it's actually grace. And the last thing is that in all this, the yoke is about work. It's a work tool. Literally, it's two animals plowing, moving something. They're sweaty, they're stinky, but it's about work. And I would be, if I could be so bold as to say, I think there's some, there's a lot of us as Christians who are living and fulfilled Christian lives because we're not working. You can be a lazy Christian, right? We, we know that. We can, you, can be, you can be a lazy person. You can be a lazy disciple. That is like, well... Yeah, that's maybe for something else, somebody else, sir. You know, I'm not really happy. I, you know, I, I get all these problems in my life and blah, 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 blah. I don't feel fulfilled, starting to doubt my faith. I mean, those are, that happens, right? But I think really, in the long run, part of it is because we're not working. Because part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is that he's created us to do meaningful work for his kingdom. He's, we are literally created to pull this yoke. And where he has put us 
where we are in our life stage, in our, whether we're students, grandparents, at the beginning of life, at the end of life, we all have meaningful work to do for Jesus. And if we don't engage in this meaningful work, we're gonna miss out on who God has created us to be. And we have this idea that we can be a spectator on the sidelines. And sometimes the Anglican church can be the worst institution because we take communion, right? And we have all these beautiful things, but at the same time, if we're not careful, they quickly can become the ends and the mean, the ends and not the means because we are created and God has placed us where we are to do work. Now, a danger of a sermon like this is in, in, in Anglo-Saxon, the French people say, well, you, you really talk like, you preach like a, an American or a German, an Anglo-Saxon, because we like these like points, right? One, two, three, four, and I'm supposed to tell you, like here's all the lists of the work things that you need to do. Because some of you are bothered, or I can see it in your eyes. You're like really bothered. You're like, okay, well, you've, you've basically just like, Give me a bunch of stuff, and, but there's no like next steps and like that, you know, how can I, how do I get into my life? Can I fit this in here or there? Because it really bothers you that I haven't given you, laid out these things for you. But I'm, I'm being French. I'm 10 years in France. I've adapted. So this is an open-ended sermon, right? I just shot some, I, I, I threw four really good points out there, biblical truths, and it's going to be open-ended. Because in a sermon like this, what you get in trouble for is not what you said, but what you didn't say. And you have questions and things are rolling around in your mind, but that's the Holy Spirit working. That's good. Yoke yourself to Christ. Find rest. That's his invitation. That's his call. Let the Holy Spirit work in your lives to draw you to him and to show you in what areas you can serve meaningful, serve, do something meaningful. I'm sure the pastor has tons of stuff, tons of stuff you can do. I want to pray for us and I want to encourage us um, to yoke yourself to Christ. to find your meaning and value in being his disciple, being submitted to him. Find the grace that you're craving and the meaningful work, the meaningful life that he has for you. Let's pray. Father, um, we just pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Father, we're not worthy to, yeah, we're not worthy to be your disciples, but you've called us. Um, what a privilege it is to have, that, to have that call, to work for you, to, to receive your grace. Lord, we just, again, we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Be with us, Father. Um, turn our hearts towards you. Help us to see in, um, just how you're working in our lives and in the world. And um, help us also to, also to see the invitation to find rest um, in your presence um, under your yoke. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.